Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It is time now to go to our weekly trip around the world to see what other news is making the headlines. Our guide, as ever, is Jonathan de Burke Butler. Jonathan, how are you today? How are you, Steph? You well? Where are you taking us first? We're going to France first, lovely. so not too far away. Never yeah, been, lovely. actually. Have you never been to France? No, oh I tried God. to go twice, but I ended up in hospital. That deserves more explanation. Whatever the hat man, that definitely deserves more of an explanation. <laughs> the first time I tried to go to Paris, I had a pain in my stomach. It was a school tour and my mum thought that I was just nervous about the, the about, about the travel because I don't mm. really like change. And uh, it turns out my appendix, uh, had to get my appendix out so they all right. went off. And then the next time, um, I discovered a little freckly thing on my foot and a doctor was like you're not meant to have freckles on the sole of your feet we need to take that out and uh, biopsy it and then that that was so twice I've tried to go to Paris and both times I've ended up in hospital Well you might have been as well going to France given their healthcare system why? Uh, because it's good. Oh, is it? Apparently, yeah. It would be a bit better than ours as far as I know. Well, I've survived those two surgeries, so I can't complain. Well, that's fair <laughs> enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and speaking of, of healthcare in France, that's a little bit of what we're going into, actually, because um, this is about a package of inflation relief package that has been released by the government. All right. Right. So basically, like everywhere else in the Eurozone and in the world, they're struggling with inflation uh, in France, but not as much as the rest of Europe. Right. So they're delighted with themselves that the Eurozone, you might remember, remember last week that uh, the 19 countries in the Eurozone, it was announced that there was an average of 8.6 uh, percent percentage, percentage rate, but the French have kept it below 7, right? They have it at 6.5. So they're okay. kind of delighted with themselves, but they still feel that they haven't done enough, right? So they have decided in their eminent wisdom that they've going to bring in these various different measures, all right? And so there's a few of them that people might be interested in, right? So pensions and social welfare payments are going to go up 4%. That's one. Right. They're going to put a cap on rent, which is something that a lot of people like the idea of here. Yeah. Uh, and they're keeping the cap on rent at 3.5%. So it can't go above that. They have decided that they're going to give civil servants a pay rise of 3.5% as well. And there's a state-funded fuel price rebate, which is worth 18 cent per litre at the moment. But in September and October, it's going to go up to 30 cent. They are also, it's not just that, they're also getting rid of the TV licence. And they've also very interestingly encouraged private companies to raise the tax-free bonus that they can give their employees from 1,000 to 6,000 euros. This is like a Sinn Féin manifesto. It basically can, is, yeah, absolutely. Can I talk? Can I ask you something? And I, I know you're not an economist, right? Yeah. My understanding of inflation, right, there's two types, cost push and demand pull. One right. is where, like, the cost of everything rises uh, and no one can afford it, but the people who can you know, people have money. But then the other one, which is I think what's happening here is demand pull, where basically loads of people have money. They've been saving away for two years. Mm -hmm. And so that drives the cost up because if there's two Mars bars in the world, basically they're going to go to the highest bidder. Sure. Is putting money into the economy not going to make inflation worse? I would have thought that certainly that last one, the private companies are being encouraged to offer employees an annual tax-free bonus of up to six grand, is what they call, I think, chasing inflation, is yeah, it not? It Putting more money into it. And but then all of this means, like if, you're, if your rent isn't going up, if they're giving you back money for your fuel, if there's going to be an increase in social welfare, that means there's going to be more money in the economy. Mm. So people have more money to spend, which will drive inflation up. You'd think so. But there's the political reality of it is, and that Macron, who's only recently won his second term, uh, He's having a bonanza. Yeah, he he promised all of this and he promised he'd try and ease the lives of French citizens. He's also got himself into a bit of bother in that 
he, although he won the presidential election, he didn't do so well in the legislative elections that happened in June, right? So he, What's the difference there? Well, because effectively he had an overall majority in mm-hmm. the Assembly. So anything that he proposed, he could just, they rubber stamped it. Right. But he lost 40 seats. So he doesn't have that power so anymore. There's a bit of opposition. Yeah, there's a good bit of opposition. So, okay. so this package that he was putting together was actually a compromise. Uh, it's interesting that one of the major opposition parties there, the the left alliance led by um, Mélenchon, who's been in the news quite a bit recently, he said these packages didn't go far enough. Whereas Marine Le Pen, who they really have to watch, and they've been watching for years. I mean, she won 89 seats in the last uh, elections, and she's uh, you know this among the biggest opposition parties there um, they were happy with this package and they okay. voted it through so like it's a minority government there and when I say minority I'm not talking like 8 or 9 TDs down in Tipperary or Kerry this is like a 77 seat gap between the, the government and the opposition and, and the opposition have those 77 seats in their favour Is France somewhere because people are listening now and they're thinking oh like either they're thinking God I hope that doesn't happen here or they're thinking God I hope that does happen here Is <laughs> France somewhere that Ireland looks to as an example oh, of like what that's to do. That's a good question. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't even begin to answer that. I haven't a clue, to be honest with well, you. Well, if Pascal Donahue's listening, would you mind texting us and letting <laughs> us know, do you watch France for uh, what to do the, next? The only thing I can say on that is that because I'm a, a bit of a geek like this, I watch news night every night, right? And last night they had a big discussion about their problems with inflation over in the UK. Mm-hmm. And Kirsty Wark referenced the fact that France is renationalizing its electricity. It's ESB, it's called EDF. Okay. Um, and that came up in the discussion discussion yesterday, right? And she said, could we not do that in the UK? Now, I don't know whether we watch France, but we certainly watch the UK. So, you know, so. whether there's a knock-on effect, I don't know. Right, take me to Spain. I will, absolutely. Uh, you have no medical conditions that are going to avoid the journey to Spain? No, no I don't have any medical right, conditions okay. and I'm vaccinated. Good, good, all right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a nasty enough little story. This is about a town in Burgos, which is up in the north, uh, a province up in the north of the country, right? And this particular town is called Castrillo Mota de, de Judios. Okay, Beautiful. don't ask me to do that again. And the rough translation of that town is Jews Hill Camp, all right? And that's because it's an old medieval town that was founded by Jewish people who were kicked out of another town nearby. They discovered this place, uh, they set up a community there, and it's been going ever since, right? Okay. It's, had its, it's had its ups and its downs, right? And one of its big downs was back in the middle of, at the end of the 15th century, 1492, when the king and queen decided that they were going to kick all the Jews out of Spain, right? Around about that time, the name of the town was also changed to uh, uh, Mato, Mato de Jedus, which means kill the Jews. Wow. Right? That was the name now, of the town. That was the name of the town. In 1492. Right? In 1492 or, or shortly after, right? So researchers basically think that it might have been changed in order to sort of bow or, or, or cow down to the Catholic Church and the king or queen or that it was just a slip of the pen because there's only a difference of an O and an A in the name, right? Right, okay. Eight years ago, they held a referendum when there was only 53 citizens to change the name of the town back to its original one, meaning Hill of the Jews and not Kill the Jews. Only Does that, that make recently? Sense? Yeah. Only that recently. Oh, well, okay. The referendum passed, as you can imagine. Yeah. But ever since then, it has had trouble from 
people who are into the old anti-Semitic stuff, right? So just last so people week... people who hate Jews. Yeah. So just last week, uh, the town woke up to find that their bins were on fire and uh, that two pieces of graffiti were scrawled across some walls referencing the old name of the of the town, Kill the Jews. Uh, and somebody had put a swastika up or something similar to it at the same time. And, and has the this first been going on for eight years? Yeah, or? it's been going on sort of continuously for eight years. So the last attack, let's call it, was, was eight months ago. And um, are there a majority, like are Jewish people still living there? There would be some Jewish people still living there, but I don't know if it's the majority, to be honest with you. Uh, Spain has been trying to come to terms with this horrible thing that happened in the past when they, you know, they expelled between 100,000 and 300,000 Jews. They don't have an exact figure from Spain, right? So back a good few years ago, I can't remember exactly when it was, maybe 2015, 2016, they came up with this scheme to allow people who were the descendants of... The Jews that have been kicked out of Spain to come back back, and take up Spanish passports. And about 150,000 of them did that. Um, But this is not good. This is really not good. It feels very not like a 2022 story. And also, if it's been going on for eight years, let it go, man. That's the name. It has a new name. I I was actually, when I was going through it, and I I was sort of saying to the story, why would you bother? Like, why would you you get up and do that, like in the morning or at night time? I suppose hatred is a potent motivator. Um, Let's go to Africa. Speaking of hatred, yeah, it's a potent motivator, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, Somalia, um, it's one of these simple but uh, sad stories uh, that we hear too much of from Somalia. And this involves the terrorist organisation Al-Shabaab, who have taken responsibility for at least one explosion, but are probably responsible for the second one that happened last Wednesday. So the first attack was a very pointed attack uh, in the town of Mursa, which is about 90 kilometres south of Mogadishu, right? And I say it was pointed because because it was it was um, aimed specifically at the mayor of a town here, right? And he was killed along with ten others, uh, and lots of people were injured in a separate attack at a livestock market. So people buying and selling Cows, cattle. The market, yeah, like. yeah, exactly. Um, a landmine exploded, and that killed seven people, injured fourteen. So, can you give us like a brief history of Al Shabaab yeah. and why this is happening? Yeah, they were started in the early two thousand. Uh, they're uh, Wahhabi organization, so you know Orthodox fundamentalists, I suppose, and they want to return. They're Somali-based, but they operate in Kenya as well, and they're very similar to Islamic State, and they're looking for that kind of... Um, Caliphate yeah, territory. That kind of state, that, yeah. Right, okay. and, and so they've been up and down over the years. They did actually hold Mogadishu for quite a few years, as far as I know, or a few months at least, but then government forces and the African Union forces managed to drive them out a few years ago, and they have stayed pretty much in the countryside you know, uh, imposing taxes on local populations and recruiting from that. Now, to answer your question a little bit better, the reason probably why there's been an uptick in uh, activity in the last few weeks is because Somalia has just put a government together. And one of their ministers is a former leader of Al-Shabaab, right? This so he's is a, a guy, former, like... Yeah, yeah. This is a guy who Islamic. renounced Al-Shabaab back in 2015 and has now been welcomed into the government. Uh, it's quite bizarre, to be honest with you. Um, the reason... And so are they trying to kill him now? They're probably... I don't know if they're trying to kill him specifically. But they're trying to take down um, the government. But they're just trying to cause as much havoc as they possibly can. They're, they're actually active in Kenya at the moment and there are elections there today, as far as I know, actually. So... It's just about causing as much chaos as they possibly can. It just seems to be such a, a turbulent state. Like they don't seem to, they haven't seemed to have like peacetime for They've, any. They have never like, got a handle on it in, in for, they haven't got a handle on it in years. 
Uh, there's constantly something going on in Somalia and they can't seem to get it together. Let's move, I think, south to Malawi. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting story um, about... Uh, let's talk about the union, right? This is a nurses' union, a national organisation of nurses and midwives of Malawi. They announced a plan last month where they were going to send approximately a 1,000 nurses to the United States and Saudi Arabia. Okay. okay, And they said this was great because there is a huge amount of very well-trained nurses in Malawi who can't find jobs in Malawi because the government is economic crisis there. They don't have the money to spend on them so they can't hire them, right? These right. are nurses trained between 2015, 2021 and they can't find work. So the union has basically said, right, we'll come up with a deal. We'll send you to the USA or Saudi Arabia. And the government has said, no, we're not allowed to do that. Why? The government are st- have, have a few reasons. The first thing they're saying um, is because this is a union and not a recruitment agency. So they're saying you'd need to set yourself up as another sort of an organisation to do that properly. Right. Now, that sort of smells Nonsense. of rubbish to me, yeah. right? The second one might be a bit more realistic in that they have also said that they need to organise memorandums of understanding between Malawi and Saudi Arabia or the United States and have a government-to-government agreement. Now, there is a str- an element to this that, that might have a fair bit of truth to it in that back in 2010, the World Health Organization listed about 50 or 60 countries from where, let's say, wealthier countries couldn't recruit nurses from because there was a critical shortage of medical workers in those countries. Okay. Mala- in those countries. And Malawi is on that list. But surely that list needs to be updated if Malawi it, it probably can't does. hire these nurses. Yeah, so this is the problem. They're in, a, they're in a bit of a bind, right? So there's nurses there sitting at home, not working, very poor. They've been offered this opportunity and they can't go because the government is saying, you know, it's a, it's it's a kind of paper pushing sort of problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does it look like something that might get solved? No, actually, to be honest with you, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it seems that it's not going to be solved. Um, like the the union are pleading to the the president Lazarus Chikwera, who hasn't been in power that long. Um, but this edict, or, or at least the stopping of this particular plan, has come directly from the Ministry for Labour. So I don't know if Chiquera is going to jump in here and, and, and intervene. Right, well, we'll have to see. We're going to skip continents again now for our last one. We're going to go to Australia. Australia, yes. A man called Mike Miners, or Mick Miners, was out on his farm. Uh, this was earlier this month, I think. And he saw a large black object sticking out of the ground in a remote part of his land. And he thought it was a tree. And when he went over to investigate, he actually found out that it was a piece of equipment that looked like something that had fallen from a spaceship. So he phoned it in anyway. He phoned it into the Australian Space Agency, which is called ASA. Okay, <laughs> great name. Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. And uh, they discovered that it was actually from a SpaceX capsule. Now, I don't know what that is, by the way. Okay. But I assume it's something that flies around space. And yeah, in this instance, space it, debris, space debris, and it breaks up very easily. But um, it doesn't happen very often, apparently. Most of these things, SpaceX, I'm told, is Elon Musk. Oh, is that him? So Elon Musk's it, things are falling out of the sky. sky. Oh God! Well, that doesn't surprise me. Anyway, he <laughs> um, found this, and and the experts have described the discovery as rare and exciting. Now, I'm not sure it would have been that exciting had it fallen on Mick. Miner's head, to be honest with you, because it's quite a big piece. Like he said, it looked like a dead tree. I actually tweeted out a photo yeah. uh, of it, and you you saw it I actually. Saw it, yeah. yeah, and it's quite a big piece. It does look like it's a trunk, kit. like bigger than him. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, it's kind of, it's always exciting. I'm always excited by space stories and ooh, space debris. Yeah. But like, if they land at sea, it's kind of fine. But this is a bit close to home, isn't it? It is a little bit. I mean, it, that's where most of them land in the sea. Um, but it's not often that they actually hit hit land and it's only happened once that it's actually hit a person. 
Well, I'm glad I wouldn't like a piece of a Tesla to hit me. Uh, tell us what's coming up uh, yeah, before we let you go. A few things to watch out for. Uh, that Kenyan presidential election in Kenya, uh, there will be a new president there by the end of the week. Uh, but you'd need to watch out and see if there'll be any violence around that. There has been the last few times. And then on Monday, the 75th anniversary of Pakistan uh, independence from Britain, followed by India on Tuesday. There's lots of documentaries and great stuff, particularly on Channel 4 going on around that. If you want to int- uh, yeah, sorry, understand the intricacies of partition and, and the fascinating story around that. Jonathan DeBurka Butler, thank you so Thanks, much. Jeff. Time for a quick break now, but after that, yoga for your face. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. On News Talk.